Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work. I wish I could fly high up to the sky, but I can't. Hello and welcome to a very special Christmas episode of CBB's Go Home. I am Cammy, and joining me is the Cuddles to my Orville, it's James. I don't think you can call me Cuddles without being libelous. It's like Elon Musk all over again, isn't it? It, it was that or Dippy. <laughs> no, don't get... Well, you will get me started on Dippy. But, uh... <laughs> Let's get into Dippy in a minute. Um you can get in touch with us uh, on the email podcast. No, it's not that. That's, the, that's my rugby podcast email. You don't want to... Email, can, email, email the rugby podcast, though. Yeah, it's only me that monitors that email address. So you can email podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. You'll only get through to me anyway. Um, but then send, them, send them just lies about rugby. Yeah, we, we, well, we tried that once in the past, didn't we, James? And that went very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, blocked that out. <laughs> Fans of the other podcast who do listen to this may may remember the episode where uh, James and um, some of uh, my other friends uh, recorded a bit where they made up some stuff about rugby for half an hour, and it went down very well with with about half of the people that listened to that section. Not so much yes, the other uh... half. Yes, never let it be said that uh, people are are precious about their uh, their favourite sport. Yeah, we do have an email for this as well, which is cbbsgohome at gmail dot com, and we're on Twitter cbbsgohome. Um, I've have you got have you I've done a Christmas pitch for for this week's cbbs pitch. Have you done a, a Christmas pitch, or have you just gone with a, a normal cbbs pitch? Um, I've gone I've gone for a normal one, although it it, it can be. Um, you can stick sleigh bells behind it and and hope for the best. I think. Well, I think that's that as all Christmas specials do. Yes, basically. Um, so mine, it, mine, and the exclamation mark at the end of this is um, very important. This rather my pr- preferred thing of it being animated. This is live action, and this is called uh, podcasters uh, with an exclamation mark at the end. So basically, what you get is a bunch of. Um, 
like quite melancholic middle class kids. What they do is they get together and record a podcast because um, they're not allowed to go out and see their mates as much as they used to. Is it and like then, press gang but with podcasts? Yeah, basically. So you've got like just like a bunch of like kids who who aren't allowed to go out as much as they used to <laughs> because of um, drugs and foreigners. <laughs> basically, yeah. Um, who uh, make unpopular podcasts? And actually, the as the series develops. Um, one of them becomes more success. One of them becomes a more successful podcaster and earns up to six pounds from Acast. <laughs> wow, that would uh, that would take almost as many listens as we get. Almost, almost as many listens. Almost as many yeah. listens as we get. Um, my one, I've gone with a Christmas one. Um, is uh, do you remember Jace, Jason the Wheeled Warriors? Vaguely, I remember the wheelies from Return to Oz. Is well, it like that? no, yeah, but it's Jesus and the Wheeled Warriors. Oh, right, yes. So um, it's Jesus, but with it's like Mad Max style with cars. So you've yes. got the shepherds. I've got a car. The wise, yes. three wise men in another car. Jesus and a baby Jesus in a car as well, driving because he's baby Jesus. Of course, he can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mum and dad in the back. Um, you know, physical mum and dad, not his spiritual dad, because. He's everywhere. Well, he's omnipresent anyway, so he's, he's in he's in all the cars. Yes, I mean, um, it, it's one of those mortal sins that can't be forgiven, isn't it? Where you uh, blaspheme against the Holy Spirit uh, if we're going down a, a kind of Catholic route. So you can't say, you know, he's like a, a wispy, fiery twat, or else uh, you go straight to hell. No, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, um, and his dad, it's like kind of his, his proper dad, Spiritual Sky Dad. Mm. Um, he sets a bit like uh, in Charlie from Charlie's Angels. Yes, he sets some missions every week. So, like, mm. the, and the main big bad in the first season is King Herod. Classic, classic bad guy. Second season obviously skips ahead to to when he's older. Yeah, because because that period where we just don't know what Jesus was up to. He was probably, just hanging, probably masturbating in his bedroom like all other teenagers. Uh, gap year. Yeah. Um. Didn't he go to America and found Mormonism? Possibly. Yeah, was that that period? That was it. Was, it was his uh, hippie, yeah, his, his, his hippie period. Yeah, he's in San Francisco, uh, just just hanging all out. Yeah, and then series two gradually introduces the Romans, and then they, they yeah. probably come in in series three. Yeah. Can you be crucified inside of a car? I don't see why not. <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe uh, they'll, they'll make use of uh, that mat he's got in the back of his car, like flop. I think they kind of crucify the car, but he's inside the car mm. and eventually runs out of food. And they've got central, like like, like the central locking on, so he can't get out. The child locks are on all the doors. Ah, oh, Jesus. And also, oh, Jesus. Yeah. So. Uh, and then they get to, you know, like they have to forgive. And he's in it. It's like a Ford Cortina, let's say. And then, you know, the the big Roman, big, big bad says, Oh, I'll forgive one person. He turns mm. up and says, well, We're here to forgive the Ford Cortina. And I was like, I'm the Ford Cortina. No, I'm the Ford Cortina. Yeah. It's, got, um, it's got legs. Well, it's got wheels, is what it's got. Not legs. It just always, it always puts me in mind of the, um, the, the no doubt apocryphal. Um, John Wayne joke from the, from the great story ever told, yeah. whereby he plays the Roman, playing the Roman centurion, 
and he delivers his line, truly he was the son of God or whatever it is. And the director says, right, okay, John, can we just do that again with more or this time? And he goes, oh, <laughs> truly he was. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I choose to believe that story. Yeah. Um. So we are going to do the 1983 Keith Harris show Christmas special, which was yeah. in fact broadcast on Boxing Day. It was it was broadcast, and I, and I know you're uh, just uh, only just twigged now, not realizing that it was broadcast on Boxing Day, nineteen eighty three. It was born. It was it was born. It was broadcast the day before my little brother was born. Well, there you go. Yeah. Do so, you... David, if you you're not listening, but happy birthday. Yeah. Do you want to know what was on uh, the rest of the telly in nineteen eighty three? Because I can tell you. Is it quite racist? It's it's very special. Okay. Let's go through it. So Christmas Day starts at 8.35 because that's when Tally started back in the day. He didn't have 24-hour channels. It didn't start till 8.35 in the morning. That's quite bad if you're trying to, like, uh, get a child ready and sit them in front of, like, Dougie for five minutes just so they shut up so you can make the breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Christmas Raccoons was on at 8.35 a.m. Yeah. Uh, can I'm the- surprised that... Was that going as early as 83? Uh, yeah, yeah. Pa- pa- as early as 83. Um, it's described as a musical cartoon. Can the horrible and greedy Cyril Sneer be responsible for making the raccoons homeless at Christmas time? Question mark. Yes, he, yes, he can. Yeah. Uh, nine o'clock was Carols from Newby Hall. <laughs> then uh, Away in a Manger, which is children's stories and thoughts about the nativity, where they say cute things like Mary was doing the washing up when the angel came and told her she was to have a baby. Mm. Then there's some more religious programming because that, that that was how it was then. There was the weather. 11.20 a.m. TV program called The Little Convict. <laughs> a colourful animation adventure starring Rolf Harris. <laughs> now we can all we, <laughs> we, we can all imagine what uh, Japes he got up to. Rolf Harris as Jake the Peg with the extra leg. Of course he was. Presents yes. the story of the convicts who settled and built the new country of Australia. Yeah, with their extra legs. We might have to. We might have to try and find that on YouTube to review that. Is that still there? I mean, I I know it's one of those things which is uh, fairly depressing. So far as if you want to go on to Spotify now, then uh, the back catalogue of uh, Glitter is very much still there. Is it? And, and very very regularly listened to. Um, I I. I I will. I'll check this. If you go through the uh, next step of this, the, the next one is at twelve thirty-five p.m. So this is while everyone's eating their lunch. To be fair, uh, Ziggy's gift, an award-winning animated Christmas story about the magic of giving. Ziggy, a little guy in a big world, overweight and underwhelmed, takes a job as a street corner Santa. Bad as luck, and his is usually bad. Would have it, he unsuspectingly goes to work for a con man. Even so, Ziggy finds the true spirit of Christmas in a greedy, commercialised world. You could read that two ways. Yes. He either finds the meaning of Christmas despite the commercialised world, or he finds it in the commercialised world. Glitter uh, update. Yep. Uh, he, despite uh, current issues, let's have a guess. How many monthly listeners do you think Glitter has on Spotify? Oh. Monthly unique listeners. Monthly unique listeners. 
There's that song. Is it was it the Gary Glitter song? The big thing about the Joker this year that, that it was a was that a Gary Glitter song? The Joker f- yes. death thing. Yeah. So that's going to bump it up. Um, hundred thousand. Uh, one point five five million. Wow. Yep. Um, and in total, Rock and Roll Part Two, which I think features in the Joker, I think has approximately in total, and obviously Spotify very much uh, is after, you know, all of that stuff. Just has round about twenty-one million listens. So what I'm about thirty-three p off Spotify for that. <laughs> Just about, yeah. And they've got new albums from like twenty eleven. Wow. Well, best of us. I've seen new albums. The, uh, I found out the other day the Gary Glitter episode of Super Gran is on YouTube. Oh. Where the Schooner Campbell sell, tries to sell him a pigeon. Yes. I'd I, I just like to read you. So th- th- this is not the, the rest of the episode. I've just got the Spotify page over here. Well, all the late 90s apparently saw the end of Gary Glitter's career. <laughs> <laughs> Does it specify why? Following his conviction for sexual offences, oh, there is no doubting that for a full 25 years before that that tragic denouement, Glitter ranked among Britain's best-loved performers of all time. I once had an argument with someone in a pub, I was quite drunk at the time, about whether or not you could separate the artist from the, from the, from the art. What I currently like to call the Morrissey issue. Yeah, it's, it's a very difficult thing. I don't know what that... That that discussion ended with me accusing um, the, the the my colleague of being racist because he didn't like any music by people who weren't white. Mm. So yeah, um, later on on Christmas Day we've got Bugs Bunny and the Abom- abominable Snow Rabbit classic. Mm. Then the film nineteen seventy seven film Glitterball. A film it's about for, Gary Glitter. Well, yeah, a film for all the family starring Ben Buckton, Keith Jane, when. Is it Keith Jane when or Keith Jane? Keith Jane. When a spaceship crash lands on Earth, its pilot, a small silver ball, is befriended by Max and Pete. They find the alien being has a vast appetite and can signal to its fellows in space. Sounds like Barry's not included. Yeah. Uh, Top of the Pops, 1983, Christmas Day, 2 o'clock, part one. There's part two at some point, presumably. Radio 1 DJs, oh God. (laughs) Oh God. Uh... Present the singers and bands who've made this year's top-selling records. Michael Jackson, Shaken Stevens, <laughs> Men at Work, Bonnie Tyler, Duran Duran, Bucks Fizz, Lionel Richie, and David Bowie. David Bowie, 1983. What's what era? What, what, what era is that? That's, uh, that's Let's Dance. Oh, of course. Of course it is. Uh, we've got the Queen's Speech, Blankety Blank. Yeah. I guess, any any guesses to who was on Blankety Blank? Well, Terry, is Terry Wogan era Blankety Blank? Les Dawson. No, uh, Sabrina Franklin. No. Roy Kinnear. Yes. Ruth Maddock. I don't think she was ever not on Blankety Blank. Yes. Patrick Moore. Oh, we'll come on to Patrick Moore again later. Yeah, Beryl Reed. Yes, of course, Beryl Reed. And Freddie Starr. Ah, of course. Very much symptomatic of uh, some of the issues we'll discuss about this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Ten to Four was a film, Treasure Island, 1950 Disney version of that. We had the news, 5.35, Jim will fix it. Right. What? Including an 11-year-old Heidi High yellow coat. Right. Two pupils of a school for the blind oh, riding. 
riding yes. at the heart of the air show. <laughs> so he uh-huh. told that's what he told them they were doing anyway. Um and an eight year old father Christmas. And also how to crack <coughs> Christmas walnuts. <laughs> I mean it's not alright, is it? I no. Mean, none of that's right. <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy's Oh yeah, let's get Sav around to the school for the blind. <laughs> yeah, you're riding a horse. That's what that is. Um Cleanse the palate afterwards with the Songs of Praise special from yeah, Peterborough I mean, Cathedral. It, I mean, it, it's just as well because <laughs> there's, there's, there's never been any child abuse in any kind of uh, church setting. No. Um, almost 2,000 years ago in a small village in the Middle East, a baby was born. Who knew? Who knew that that, that, that was what happened? Um, Jeffrey, no, no um, Seacum, it's Jeffrey Wheeler, joined schools, choirs and congregations in a musical celebration. Then it's um, the two Ronnies, Mm. Bit of all creatures, great and small. After that, which although it's the first one, when he's demobbed from the army, yeah, yeah. Uh, only fools and horses, thicker than water. I don't think it's the one where Dalboy falls through the bar, but there is. There was an episode of Only Fools and Horses. Yes, it just says thicker than water. Christmas is a time for friend, family, and friends. You can choose your friends, but not your family. That'll be Uncle Albert rather than a granddad, won't it? Possibly. And then uh, the Spinners at York, which is uh, the Spinners playing a gig at York at 11.45pm, and then that was it. Boxing Day then, which is when uh, Keith Harris was on. Yes. And we'll come on to that in a moment. Um, You've got um, the new adventures of Flash Gordon, Mm. some cartoons, Play School, Pigeon Street, classic. I like Pigeon Street. I just like Pigeon Street. Look back with Noakes, the coastal paths of Devon and Cornwall in the summer. Um, that, that's Boxing Day. That's your kind boxing of day, prime. 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock Boxing Day, that. Yeah, having your lunch. Yep. Yeah. Uh, 12.35, the raccoons and the lost star. So more raccoons. I think it must have been just out in 1983 and they're just trying to milk it for all it's worth. One thirty, the good life. Yes, well, that is, but that feels very much like 1983. Now, this is the weird thing, right? 2 p.m. Bridge mm. over the River Kwai. It's good, good film. Classic, classic Boxing Day f- film. What do they follow Bridge over the River Kwai with? The Keith Harris Christmas Show. Yep, Nat- natural, so, natural bedfellows. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, Want to have a guess at who is presenting final score at five fifteen? Jimmy Hill. David Ike. Oh, Ike. Oh well. Oh, what, what a treat. What a treat. Do you think I, I don't think I lost his marbles at that point. Oh, um, no, 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 no. This was, this was, this was pre-Lizard's Ike. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't, you know, Coventry City 3, flew right in the water too. <laughs> uh, 5.25 was the Circus World Championships. Do you remember a great oh. telly that? Circus World Championships. You don't get telly like that anymore. Uh, 6.25, the Paul Daniels Magic Christmas Show with illusionists, pen dragons, acrobats, the five-star Endres family and Professor Al Cartney and his mechanical man. Have you seen the great um, interview in the immediate aftermath of Freddie Mercury's death with um, Brian May and Roger Taylor are on some kind of chat show? And uh, as is traditional chat show, um, the, the previous guest is still still on set on on stage beside them, and it's Daniels. 
Wow. And, um, they turned, turned to Daniels and um, say, say after, obviously, like, me and Taylor are quite upset. It's like, did you... So, were you a fan of Freddie Mercury, a fan of Queen's work? And to which Daniels responds, and it's worth seeking this cover, he just goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> of course, famously, because um, we'll come on to Stu Francis from uh, Cracker Jack in a moment, and the Crankies, of course, were the other... Uh, big names on Cracker Jack um, famously hated Paul Daniels in their autobiography. Absolutely slated him. Couldn't stand the man. I have some sympathy for the deviant crankies. Yeah, needless to say, they had the last laugh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think that's a bit of a theme with Keith Harris. We'll come on to that now. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the Keith Harris Christmas special, I mean, it's obvious that he was pitching this pretty hard at being primetime Christmas TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it it lands on Boxing Day, so what they've had to do is record a little segment at the start where he says, I hope you had a nice Christmas day. I was around Orville's house. Yes. On on Christmas Day. And he started to say, oh, I'm not going to tell you about it. Let's have a look, because I've taped it. <laughs> Weirdo. Um, which then begs the question, like, so, so Orville and Cuddles have their own house and Keith Harris lives separately from them. Yeah. I mean, let's start with Keith Harris because I think he's a quite a sinister man. He looks, he's always looked to me that he's kind of like part manatee, part scarecrow. Yes. It's um, the, it's the, it's the, it's the perm, I think. Yeah. Well, I realise I've written in my notes um, and not put the hyphen in, so I've got a manatee come scarecrow. <laughs> well, well, that could have been how he how he resulted. Well, possibly. Uh, it's, uh, n- n- nobody tell uh, Jim Savile or uh, Rolf, you know. Um, it, so he turns up at this house, right? So, so this is a purpose-built set, right? Because I couldn't think this isn't like they've they've just gone and got something from like a BBC period drama and brought it in. So they've, yeah. they've got the outside of a house that they've covered in snow. Mm-hmm. There's an interior sesh of the living room kind of entrance way. There's a kitchen sesh, which mm. they use sparingly, and then for one scene only, a bedroom. Yes. And it's got a balcony. It's got raised levels in the main end bit as well. This isn't just, you know, there's stairs and everything. I mean, there's a, there's a significant amount of carpentry that's gone into this. <laughs> well, that's that's the money the BBC used to be able to throw around at absolute nonsense. Do well, I was listening because when when we were preparing for this, I was been driving around for work, and I was listening to the audio book of I Partridge again because it's quite funny. Mm. Um, and there was the bit where he talks about the making of Knowing Me, Knowing Yule. Yes, and the the quote I had to get this because this 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 struck a chord with the Keith Harris Christmas special. Which the quote was: "If there's something vain or self-serving about spending twenty-nine thousand pounds creating an exact replica of my home, so people could gain a better understanding of me and my life, then guilty." <laughs> maybe that's where uh, Harris actually lives. Possibly, in maybe set. in a set on the BBC and BBC L Street Studios. Yeah, just want to be on the telly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So he turns up at the house, and I think the most terrifying thing is that well, he pretends to sing some carols, pretends to be carolers, mm. and then Cuddles and Orville don't let him in because they think he's carolers, so they turn the lights off. Because essentially you've got a juvenile duck, teenage yeah. monkey, and a, a dragonosaur yes. living together alone in a house. So of course you turn the lights off because there's no responsible adult with you. 
Yes, and you're, you're fine. You're going to be abducted. Yeah. Who knows who's kicking around the BBC at that point? Well, we'll come on to that in a minute because we know exactly who's kicking about the BBC later on in this episode. Well, um, what's absolutely terrifying, though, is then a, a life-size cuddles the monkey comes out. Now, this is either a midget dwarf mm. or a child in a monkey costume and gambles around like an actual monkey, and that absolutely terrifying. But it's not like an actual monkey because there's something kind of very strange about the way the arms move. Like the arms are kind of puppet like. Well, it's someone holding on to stilts, isn't it? It's like someone holding on to two, his long arms at the front. They're holding on to two wooden stilts at the front, but it's their legs at the back. That's what's even worrying, more worrying about it. It's kind of akin to a more clunky version, second mention already, of the wheelies from Return to Oz. Yes. Uh, which are ultimately horrifying. The other thing that which horrified me in this is that the audience applaud the first sight of cuddles. Now, I can't tell whether they're applauding this kind of live-action version or they think, like, basically, within the context of this, cuddles is, like, the fonz. Yeah. Like, the prick fonz. I mean, ignore the fact, given we've been talking the subject, that the fonz is a middle-aged man hanging around with a bunch of teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kind of, you know, inviting them, cool. into the to- inviting them into the toilets to have meetings. Yeah, <laughs> very, very much so. And then just uh, sticking it at Mrs. C, like he's flop or something. Um, yeah, so it's. Well, there's, and that's the other thing. There's a, okay. there, there is a live studio audience here as well. Yeah. I can't imagine. Who's applied for tickets for the Keith Harris Orville Christmas special? Because they sound like grown ups as well. It's not like there's like a load of kids cheering. I wonder whether at the time, you know, like I, you just like um, like a kind of lucky dip. You you applied for some BBC tickets, whether you got like you know Keith Harris Christmas Special or like Question Time. Yeah, or or the Generation Game. Yeah, it's like, so oh, might... like, oh, what we're going to get like a like a kind of like raffle kind of thing situation. Yeah. Yeah. So you thought you were going to ask a kind of an insightful question to Michael Heseltine, and instead you've got to applaud fucking cuddles. Yeah. Um. So Keith gets inside the house and there's Orville, but there's also Dippy the Dragonosaurus. Now, I can't find anything on the, online about Dippy other than the, that his name's Dippy is a Dragonosaurus. Now, he looks to all the world like a gigantic flaccid cock and balls. I had down that he was a haunted psychedelic nightmare big bird. <laughs> it's, also, it's also very true. My theory is that actually in real life someone got gigantism of the cock and balls. <laughs> was like, what do I do with this? I know I'll stick some fur on it and a couple of googly eyes. Mm, I've yeah. got myself a cabri act. I thought they were, in essence, basically mocking a disabled man. Yes, because the whole way through, you go, they, they, there's like a weird joke at the start where they say, oh, he's going to be, Dippy's going to be the waiter this evening. Yeah. And then Cuddle says, a dumb waiter. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's not a great joke, but it's a joke. And then Dippy went, yeah, because I'm stupid. Yeah. It, 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 it's horrific bullying, basically. It is. It's almost like, I mean, it's it's a bit like they're exploiting him, really. They've kind of taken this poor, <laughs> mentally backwards, for want of a better expression, <coughs> dragon slash dinosaur off the streets, and now they're exploiting him for, for, for labour. Yeah. It's it's funny where you fit kind of uh, Orville, you know, Orville who's basically like a kind of Camp Frank sidebomb, how he fits into um, 
all of this? Is he basically the power behind all of this? Rather than kind of sitting there being kind of naively like, oh, Cuddles made me do it. Is he actually, you know, well, like secretly, secretly like applying electroshock therapy to poor Debbie? I, with us that, and one we'll come on to it in a minute, that, that, that there's definitely a lot of controlling behaviour goes on from Orville. Mm. Quite disturbingly so. Um, so then it, the, it, they sing the song, which I'm going to play for you now, which this is, uh, here we go, this is, uh, unmute my thing and I'll... Happy Christmas, everybody! Happy Christmas, Why everybody! Why don't you come to my party? Come to my party! My party. It is front side one. It is, yeah. There's no yeah, getting away um, from it. It is absolutely horrifying. So um, they sing the song whilst wandering around the set. You know when they talk about how like they play Metallica to like um, they play Metallica loudly at like Al Qaeda terrorists. Well, they played Barney, didn't they, as well, famously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the step up. That's yeah. That's it. It's this. I'm excited, oh I just can't wait Will you promise that you won't be late Come to my party I've been singing that for, I've, I've confessed because I've watched this a couple of times now and I've listened to that song as Come to my party, won't leave you It's a gut stuck I've, in there now, it's burrowed deep The thing that I rejected as my uh, CBB's pitch, which might clear that from your head, was uh, I've spent the day trying to um, sing the like character introduction songs from uh, In the Night Garden in the voice of you can take your pick with this Werner Herzog or Nico. <laughs> that works, yes. So um, maybe sing that if you're trying to uh, try cleanse and, yourself of all. Try and try and get that out of my head. Um, there's a the doorbell rings then, and Keith Harris says something really weird. Though he says, "There's someone at the doorbell." <laughs> That's not how it works. That's not not there's someone at the door. There's someone at the doorbell, which suggests that this was all done in one take. Yes. Um, well, he didn't want to go back for a second. Now. One take, Harris. So they call yeah. them, and it's shaking Stevens, who turns up in a flashes Mac. Turns up on a flashes Mac, and I've written down a quote, direct quote from the episode. Oh wow, it's Shagan Stevens. <laughs> um, that's all I've got as a note for that bit. Oh wow, it's Shagan Stevens. Oh wow, Shagan. I mean, I think it's like that thing of um, the. Uh, there's the comedian that Stuart Lee talks about, isn't there? Who originally came up with the uh, people often say to me, "Get out of my garden," joke. <laughs> Yes. Um, which was then stolen by by Joe Pasquale, and it's that thing of, and then Julie does a whole routine about. Well, no, people wouldn't say "get out of my garden." They say, "Why are you in my garden, Joe Pasquale?" It's the same yes. with this Shaking Stevens thing, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's Shaking Steve. Why is Shaking Stevens turned up? Shaking Stevens is one of the biggest selling artists of the eighties, isn't it? He is. Now, this is pretty. The interesting thing is, I thought, why have they brought him on? Because later on, he sings his song. Yeah, um, which is dreadful. It's awful. Cry just a little bit. Yes, yeah, um, it is. And I thought, why is he not singing his Christmas song? But of course, this is two years before. Step, um, Merry Christmas, everybody, or everyone, oh. whichever the one it is. He's got. Yeah. So just just warming up. I tell you what is a nightmare. 
play in a brass band where you have to play Merry Christmas Everybody and every Merry Christmas Everyone. Because that mm. gets confusing at a certain point. Yes. That's, uh, ultimately, somebody should make a decision and come with it. Give them, like, girls' names or something. Yeah, play Sheila. Yeah. Um, so Shane Stevens, I mean, he, and he shakes the entire time he's in there. He's rolling yes. back upon his heels. He's, he, his hands never leave his pockets. I mean, it's alcohol withdrawal, isn't it? Possibly. Um, he's still alive. I mean, we, we can say whatever we want about <laughs> Keith Harris because we uh, can't lie while they're dead. <laughs> no, he's just... Uh, is Keith Harris dead? Yeah, died of cancer. Oh. I was just about to, 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 I was just about to say there's, there's no finer sentence than uh, possible. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. I'm just coughing at the thought that uh, of being sued by Shaken Stevens. <laughs> Seventy-two, he, still going strong. He did. He did then later famously appear on, I think, Pebble Mill. Absolutely battered. Was that him? I think so. Of course, he did. Yes. Mm. Was Titchmarsh in charge? That that that. I would. I wouldn't imagine Titchmarsh would stand for that sort of nonsense. Well, have you ever remember Titchmarsh won the um, the Bad Sex Award? Of course. Yeah. Um, so. I don't know. I think Titchmarsh has some uh, racy thoughts and some racy views on immigration. I would imagine so. Um, yeah, there is a, a video of Shaken Stevens singing My Cutie Cutie and Love Attack on Pebble Mill from uh, 1990, which would suggest that was the episode he was smashed on. Um, or he was also appeared on, on Pebble Mill on David's St. David's Day in 1995 as well. Uh, I'm going to suggest to you that Love Attack is not a phrase you can use anymore. No. I would be. I'm not going to look up the lyrics for "Love Attack," or even Google the words "Love Attack." <laughs> this is pre-Google, of course. Having a song called "Love Attack" wasn't isn't isn't necessarily a good idea these days. Um, you can probably just sing it in your head to the tune of "Love Shack." What? Well, yeah, that probably works. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, Stu Francis 
uh, from Cracker Jack then comes down the chimney. And there's... Now, importantly, with Stu Francis, I think this is a, a subtle point to that's potentially missed. On the uh, on the credits, as he appears, it's and Stu Francis. So he's asked for the and. You know, like kind of, you know, like you get an old, like an aging, very famous movie star who does like ten minutes in a film, and they get they get and on the credits. It's like a kind of as a way of suggesting that they're like a bigger star, you know, and Michael Caine or and Charlton Heston or something like that. Well, and Stu Francis bigging up his part, like he thinks he's bigger than Orville. Fucker. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, briefly thought there was a a, a wealth in a mum's net. Uh, thread about Stu Francis, and it turns out that the mum on Mum's Net had got Stu Francis mixed up with Stuart Francis, the one-liner comedian. Uh, Which is very disappointing. I did yes. some more research on that, and before I, because Stu Francis is still alive, so we don't want to libel him, but it was about some inappropriate jokes stole, but told by Stu Francis, and I thought that sounds like he might something he might possibly do, mm. and it turns out it was uh, a different Stuart Francis. That is very disappointing. I know, because he told some very inappropriate jokes. Because we were about to really libel him. <laughs> we were, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Stuart Francis and not Stu Francis. And I think yes. the mum on mum's neck got confused. Although I will say that uh, the mullet that um, Stu Francis has on this leads you to believe that he's a Romney. I think the other thing I would say about Stu Francis is that as well as every interview I've read by Keith Harrison preparing for this, every interview I've read with Stu Francis invariably ends with up with him having the last laugh, despite the fact that he appears to have had no career since 1985, mm. and apart from pantomime. I do wonder, I wonder why his career is tailed off. Is it because he's making excessive demands like the and? I don't know. There's no reason. There's nothing. No reasons given. It's just he. He says that it. it he blames animated cartoons in a number, couple of interviews <laughs> I've read. Well, of course, everything's done by computers these days. Maybe I was watching. Not to suggest that this is absolutely what our core demographic are also doing, but I was watching um, Top of the Pops 1988 on BBC Four the other week. And one of the presenters was Andy Crane. Oh. I spent a long time. I spent a long time wondering what's become of Andy Crane. He, there is another. He's on heart, isn't radio. he on Heart Radio? I think they all go to Heart Radio eventually. I don't think I know what. Well, I can guess what Heart Radio is, but I don't think I don't know anybody who's listened to Heart Radio. Where's Andy Crane nowadays? I'm sure Andy Crane's still about. Andy Crane. Let's Google Andy Crane. Where's Andy Crane? Andy Crane is um, best known for presenting. Um, he's 55, 55 years old now. There you yep. go. Um, career. He presented. He, he is a presenter for Greatest Hits Radio as of January twenty nineteen. It's a bit North Norfolk Digital, isn't it? It is. He presented the breakfast show on Bower City Two Network every week. That is definitely North Norfolk. Yeah. Bower Media that took over North Norfolk Digital in there, the Partridge movie. Where's, where's Bower City? Bower City 2. Well, it's Bower City 2, which is uh, suggests as the Bower City 1 kind of Judge Dredd style. <laughs> Andy Crane's dystopia. Uh, yeah, he, he presented the breakfast show from 6am to 10am. The show aired on AM and on DAB on Radio Air 2, Hallam 2, Viking 2, 
Rock 2, Key Radio, Metro 2, TFM 2 and other stations in the Bauer City 2 network. A lot of those are the ITV4 of regional radio. There you go. Oh, now here's, here's a great Andy Crane fact. Between 1981 and 1985, Crane represented the Northwest in roller hockey as a goalkeeper. <laughs> However, a persistent ankle injury forced him to retire from the sport. It was at this point that he decided to concentrate fully on his career in TV and radio. If only, if only he focused on his career as a roller hockey goalkeeper. Yeah, Who knows I mean, what really heights he might have, uh, have climbed to. Um, Stu Francis turns up then. He falls down the chimney. Yeah. Stu Francis of Cracker Jack fame. Um, the, the, again, the interesting thing about Stu Francis is his catchphrase, which is, ooh, I could crush a grape. Which he milks, but in a way that which is unconvincing for the rest of the episode. So it basically becomes, I could something or something. Yeah. Because he then says, I could flutter a fairy or something. <laughs> he threatens to punch Santa threat? Claus in the face. And he looks almost serious when he says it as well, which is weird. He does a lot of uh, bad things in this. Um, not least the um, anti-Irish gag, which he tells. Does he? I missed that. Oh, no, he... Santa's Irish, of course, yes. Because he's yes, Irish. Stand... Yeah. Um, I've never been more um, kind of pro IRA than that exactly <laughs> um, do you want to know how he came up with the Crusher Grape catchphrase was it his period in France as a uh, artisanal winemaker no he just said it off the cuff and everyone laughed and then later on at the bar in a comedy venue someone said oh here comes the I could crush a grape man and then he decided he was onto something <sighs> depressing isn't it it's the the 1980s a lot 1983 has a lot to answer for yeah I mean it's sub Butland's red coat jokes that they have between Keith and Stuart Francis I feel it's like you know that scene in Wayne's World 2 where (laughs) Wayne goes to the garage and says could we not get a better actor for this part it's a bit like that with Stu Francis could we not get a better comedian in 1983 than Stu Francis I just got kept, I just got distracted by I just kept coming back to his mullet because like it's a real it's quite a blunt mullet. You know, yeah, it's, it's like straight a, at the back, isn't it? Yeah, like a kind of um like a utilitarian mullet. Yeah, it's like someone doesn't want to fully commit to the mullet. Yeah, mullish. Yeah. Mullesque. So they put him in Uncle. Well, Dippy puts him in Uncle Charlie's room, and we find out from Dippy that Uncle Charlie's dead. Yeah, which becomes important later on. Yeah, uh, Dippy killed him. Yeah, he probably just sat on him by accident. And then mm-hmm. there's a strange, there's an exchange then in the kitchen with between Keith Harris and Cuddles the monkey. Um, the cat. Now I noticed at this point. Did you notice the camera kept changing angles so that you could clearly see Keith, Keith Harris's hand in the back of Cuddles the monkey's head? Yes, yes. There wasn't any attempt to hide it at all. Yeah, um, it it put me in mind of the old uh, Harry Helen Stufa kind of, you help me out, Stufa, (laughs) the old thing of letters, you know? It made me think that that the cameraman hated Keith Harris more than the director did as well. (laughs) Kept cutting to angles that made made it very clear that he was in control of the monkey. Maybe it was like a, because he had... 
I, I, I was fearful at the point where the Chinese guillotine comes out where you just think, oh no. Here's some inappropriate racist humour. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, so but, just... but, but not just that. We then get Cuddles doing a Jimmy Savile impression, which is even better. Yeah, I mean, obviously history has not been kind to uh, any kind of for Savile, but the fact that it's uh, Cuddles who is... Um... Are we meant to be sympathetic to Cuddles? I think if you look at it from Cuddles' point of view, you can understand where the resentment comes from because clearly Orville is the favoured one. Yeah. But is Orville favoured because Cuddles is bitter or is Cuddles bitter because Orville's favoured? I mean, which way, you know, it's it's chicken and egg, isn't it? I think Cuddles beats Orville. Probably. Living in that house. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's some quite, like, horrific abuse going on. Um, well, there, no, no, because there's no, there's no adult supervision, is there, as we've established? No. So I think, uh, I think it's quite a grim relationship, ultimately. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, I think Cuddle's doing the impression of Jimmy Savile using a cucumber as a cigar is very telling. Maybe that, maybe that was, uh, maybe Keith Harris knew, and maybe that was his kind of you know, subliminal warning to the rest There's of us. There's two Jimmy Savile impression references in this whole episode, isn't there? There's another yeah. one later on. Yeah. It's that bit where uh, Dibby's fucking a corpse. <laughs> of course. Just like Jimmy Savile. Just like Jimmy Savile. Now then, Doing now a then. Jimmy, I think, yeah. Um, yeah. But they, they, so they do some magic and then with a, I mean, it's, 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 again, it's like children's party magic with the Chinese yes, guillotine. Yes, at best. Yeah, there's no. I mean, this is you know how much money have they spent on this? Yeah, how, what trick can you do with a man clearly in the back of a, a monkey's head? Yeah, I mean, the, the scriptwriter, the BFI, obviously do a record of every TV show ever ever made, and I, the scriptwriter for this was writing stuff for you know Saturday Night at the London Palladium. Yeah, and this is the best they could come up with. Well, I feel like it didn't take long. No. I don't think there was much thought given. I think the effort went on the set, clearly. All the budget was spunked on that set. I suspect it was written uh, during a long lunch with Stu Francis. Uh, You know, right, we need to hammer out this script. Stu, Uh, we spent all the budget on putting a mezzanine level on our set so me and Orville for five minutes can climb onto it. You get around in. Let's get this script done before uh, before the pool table becomes free. Um, then we have a bit of Orville feel. I mean, this is the bit where I think Orville's this is this demonstrates Orville's controlling behaviour because you get the bit where Orville then spends a long time feeling sorry for himself because he's ugly and nobody likes him and no one loves him and he's got a broken aeroplane. Mm. Uh, it's just very wearisome. <sighs> Orville's song is a is a is a deeply kind of um, kind of mawkish and horrific thing, and I kind of I kind of get to the end of that song and think, yeah, I can see why. Yeah, I mean, it it comes on the back. Is this before or after the sequence where you've got Stu Francis in his kegs? No, that's afterwards. After this, yeah, that's. Yeah, I, I think Orville deserves all of the punishment he gets. Definitely. I, I think that's, I mean, he it's it's that, that we've all met that person who will say, oh, I'm terrible at doing this, oh, I'm awful. 
look if mm. you turn around and say no you're not no everything's all right and that's that's the entire or that's orville's whole stick yeah, 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 whiny, whiny, whiny. And then an angel fixes his his, play, his plane because he whines too much. <sighs> it's filling kids with uh, unrealistic expectations of uh, Angelic in, in, you know. And and then then it cuts. This is the bit then when we get Stu Francis and his keks, as you've said, because he's 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 in old Uncle Charlie's room. Yeah. And again, this is this three sets at this point. <laughs> We're three mm. sets in. We've got, you know, like I said, the entrance hall, the kitchen, and now an entire bedroom with four poster beds. Yeah. And this is clearly this has been made bespoke because there are bespoke elements to this set. There's 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 a picture painting on the wall whose eyes moves. Yeah. There's a set, chest of drawers where a drawer is very very long. Mm-hmm. There's a trap door at the back of the bed. Yeah, it's uh, it's very very um, grim slapstick, but it's underpinned to start of this when. Stu makes some jokes about um, basically drinking and sleeping pills. Yes, which that I'm was not weird. sure is I'm not sure is fine for a kid's. Have you got a special. sleeping pill? He says. Yeah. Water and a you know, sleeping like, pill. Like 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 mummy uses. Is that what he's? No, he doesn't say that. Right, <laughs> that's that's the reference point for the kids. Yeah. So because know, this you know, is pretty. He's getting ready for a party. So why does he need a sleeping pill? Unless maybe that's it. It's a euphemism. Euphemism, yeah. Oh, unless unless it's gone all Savile. Well, very true. He yeah. then ends up dressed in a tutu, which it doesn't quite get homophobic, but it, it it's leaning that way very strongly. Yeah, it, it is in essence. I, I took it as being, you know, deeply offensive. Yep. And then so we have that bit. Back and forth with him and Stu Francis, and then it cuts to Shake and Stephen doing his song that no, the, the only Shake and Stephen hit no one has ever heard of. Yeah, released uh, on Boxing Day, so that's not going to do well. Well, it's just a very um, it's if you've never heard it, it's much much worse than you imagine. Cry just a little bit by Shake and Stevens. Let's see if we can hear it. Uh, cry just a little bit. Here's the Shake and Stevens bit. Oh, there was a remix as well. Fat Boy Slim. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, this like kind of like it sounds like Black. It was like Blockbuster. Sounds like something you would hear in a pub, doesn't it? You know, you would go like and see a pub singer, and then they would say, "Here's one of here's one of my own." Like, no, we don't want you yeah. to sing this. We want you to sing some Elvis, or you know, it's um very much uh like a as he said, like a kind of not so much a pub, more a social club. But uh, isn't it the same backing track as um Superman? Why well, can't I? Tell this is either Superman, Krypton Factor, Blockbusters, or Airwolf. Not a, this. this <laughs> could be any of those, couldn't it? I think that's most of the eighties, isn't it? Yeah, it just takes you. Yeah, that's the intro. Is the eighties? Yes, it's also where everybody wants to rule the world. <laughs> um, so he sings his song, and then Keith puts Orville to bed. Now, obviously, because there's a license fee involved here, and in order to technically call itself a Christmas show, they have to tell a bit of the Christmas story. So Keith tells Orville the Christmas story. Now, I took this as being the way that they paid for the mezzanine. <laughs> right. So, 
basically, if if they include it... So this is the fourth set as well, by the way, because we've got Oval's bedroom now as well. Yeah, but we've all probably been in these listeners at home and, and also fellow podcasters. We've all been in work situations whereby you think, oh, there's... There's a pot of money you can access if you fulfil this criteria, <laughs> and I presume Keith has gone. Ah, oh, there's a uh, there's a big old big old bag of cash uh, available if you can prove this is a, technically a religious program. Well, that so apparently we that can... was that was the argument Stu Francis made in an interview I read about why Cracker Jack ended because apparently it was in a slot which uh, was classed as light entertainment, but they argued it should come out of the children's budget because there was no money to cancel Cracker Jack. <sighs> And that's why Stu is homeless now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, that, 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 that's clearly what's happened here. Is that there's, <coughs> there's some money on on the table from the BBC if you can introduce a religious element to your program. Yeah. So clearly, Orville is the uh, person to tell us about our Lord Jesus. Yep, uh, and and tell us he does. Um, he has a bit of a sing song, doesn't he? Which is the uh, yes. thank you for telling me about Jesus. Song that he sings and manages to uh, sing it in a non-sarcastic voice. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the, the strange thing is that he he cracks jokes about it all the way through, doesn't he? Just like he just sort of cracks jokes about the three wise men here. Come on, Orville, it's bedtime. This was the B-side to come to my party. Yes, but you be wide awake for the Christmas party. Why are we having a party? Well, because it's Christmas. But we we only have parties for birthdays. Well, yes, it is a birthday. How old's Orville at this point? Who's... He doesn't understand what Christmas. You mean you don't know? Thirty-six. No. Has nobody ever told you about Christmas? He's your ward, Keith. He's your ward. You're looking after. Well, it's the birthday of a very special baby boy, the baby Jesus. That's a nice name. Yes, and he was very, very good. And when he grew up, everybody saw how good he was, and they all wanted to be like him. So each year at Christmas, we remember him. Here we go. Thank you for telling me about Christmas. Four minutes and twenty seconds. This song goes on for. It. it, it oh. I think it, the other thing is the the most upsetting thing is he calls it Kissmas. 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 I, I, I choose to believe he's being sarcastic, just for my own like. But there's that really weird bit where Keith Harris starts staring earnestly out the window in a kind of manic bit, and then it cuts to shadow, like a shadow of Mary and Joseph, like looking over the cot. But it's like really sinister. Mm. Yes. Well, they're protecting him from Jimmy Savile. <laughs> of course, BBC Studios, as we'll find out in a moment. So, so Orville goes to bed. Keith then takes a moment to promote the single. Yes. That the try to flog, which is out on BBC Records, so it's okay. Yeah, it's like away with it. Yeah. Um, and then there's a knock at the door, or the doorbell goes. There's someone at the doorbell again. Yeah. And it's Stu Francis, and Stu should come with him, but clearly a lot of people that have been literally dragged from the BBC canteen. 
yes. or a BBC party and said, we're filming the Keith Harris Christmas special downstairs. We need some celebrities. Please, can you come this way? There is more drink, we promise. Yes, I was going to say, yes, there, there, is, a, uh, there is a free bar. And there's a few, there's some people who you can tell uh, are, are sympathetic because they're also kind of kids entertainers. But you're not telling me that Mike Reed has turned up for anything other than uh, the free bar or his chance to kind of tell people about his terrible writing. Well, things. it's like that. This thing is like at the end, like it's at the end of the episode. These people have been yeah. are just like thrown in, yeah. presumably so they can see we had all these. So I, I, the people that we so Stu Francis turns up because he's gone and rounded everybody up. There's Mike Reed, as you said, right wing Mike yeah. Reed. Um, John Craven's there. Yeah. Um, I think Janet Janet Ellis, because this is the thing. Keith Harris never introduces the women in this. <laughs> he only says the men's name. I think it's Janet Ellis who looks very uncomfortable when she receives a kiss from Keith Harris. Yes, well, wouldn't you? Uh, Floella Benjamin is there, I think, or Dame? Is it da- she? She lady or Dame? Floella Benjamin? No, a lady, ben- liberal Democrat peer, lady Benjamin. Of course, she is. Ian McCaskill, off yes. the weather, and then Patrick Patrick Moore. Now, Patrick Moore, the games master, Patrick Moore, turns up, and I would suggest to you that there is he. He of all people has almost certainly haggled and said, "Ah, oh, there's a free bar." Right. Well, he turns up with a glass of wine, I think. Yeah. Moore has, uh, I mean, there might not have even been a free bar. He just had it with him at the time. Yeah. What are you doing in the sky at night? Why are you drinking? Well, (laughs) just because. Because. How are we going to see the stars unless uh, there's more stars if I keep drinking? Yep. Uh, So Patrick Moore, I I think, almost certainly... um, He's either been lured by a free bar or has been told, oh, well, uh, Janet Ellis is going to be there. Yeah, and that's actually why he's there. Yeah. And nobody told Janet Ellis that she was going to be there. Willing. She's just literally walking up and being thrown through the door after being kidnapped. Yeah. You've got a choice. You've got cuddles on the way. That's how, and that's that's kind of how, well, they, they, they sing Welcome to My Party by, by Orville again. Yeah. And then that's it. She, I don't see how anybody could have watched this on Boxing Day, which is a day which kind of treads a fine line in terms of um, whether you're having fun, whether you're just having food regret, whether whether you've just decided to start drinking again, whether you've got full-on Christmas fear. I can't see a point with limited channels in 1983 where you would watch that and feel better about yourself. No, and bear in mind, this is this is you've just watched Bridge Over the River Kwai. And gone straight into this with no break. I think if you hadn't started drinking again, the appearance of uh, wheelie cuddles would be the exact point of I'm getting a can. Yeah, I've just watched Bridge Over the Rokwai with its bleak ending, and no. now, 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 now there's a monkey running around. Somebody pretending to be a monkey. Yeah. On stilts, running around the screen. I went to the bridge over the river Kwai. Um, I have no major anecdotes related to it. Oh, well. It's really related in the episode, and I've just thrown that in there with, with no particular direction, which is fitting for this atrocity of a show. It is. Uh, quick, we've got, I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a quiz for you. Um, where in the charts did Come to My Party come? 37. 44. 
No, I feel money, like... Money well spent. That, that £29,000 bill and the replica of his own house was well spent mm. promoting that single. I feel like that, that I'm close. Not breaking the top 40 feels like a bit of a disaster, though. It does. Um, so that was released on BBC Records. Who released their self-titled debut album through BBC Records in 1987? Hmm. Anita Dobson. Enya. Really? Enya by Enya was put out on BBC Records. Oh, she's formerly of Clannad, of course. Of course, yes. Who, yes. who had a number of albums put out uh, on BBC Records. Um, Keith Harris started out in showbiz as his own father's pretend ventriloquist dummy. He was called Isaiah. Why? Was it a biblical thing? No, because one eye's higher than the other. That's... that's. Was his dad shoving his hand up his... I don't know that. Just that was from the Guardian obituary. <laughs> that's one of the notable things. I'm a particularly big for. I, I love a good uh, euphemism in an obituary. And the other week, when uh, Gary Rhodes uh, passed away, Jay Rayner, the um, Guardian restaurant critic, put on Twitter that uh, Gary Rhodes. And the first bit of this is paraphrasing, but the the second part is very much not. He was a very fine chef, but a a complex man. <laughs> Which is an excellent euphemism in the uh, the, the wake of a man's death. Yeah, you know, very, um, yeah, he had strong opinions. He's uh, very much his own man. That kind of thing. Uh, mm. Didn't suffer fools gladly. Yeah. <laughs> um, We're moving on then. Um, why did Keith Harris turn down a role as himself in extras? Um, ego. No, because he was going to be a racist version of himself. Oh. Um, where did Keith Harris come on reality TV show The Farm? It's the second series of The Farm. Keith Harris and Orville were on it. How did they get on? Is The Farm the one where Nancy Dalio wanked up a pig? Rebecca Luz. Rebecca Luz was this. Yeah. That was series one. Uh, what did Keith Harris do? Did he? He didn't. It um, didn't say what Keith Harris did. I've just got a list of the winners. He finished eighth. No, he won. Oh, did he? Yeah, Keith Harris and Orville the Duck. They, they they were in it together as a double act. Can you name any of the other other uh, other people from from series two of the Farm? Richard Blackwood. No, that's a good guess though. No, he wasn't. It. Uh, Paul Daniels was in series one with Stan Collymore, Moore, Lady Victoria Harvey, Terry Christian, Richie Neville, Maggie Clark, Debbie McGee, Rebecca Luz, and Vanilla Ice, and Jeff Brazier won it. Vanilla Ice. Series two? Series two was Keith Harris and Orville the Duck were winners, so who can you name anybody else from series two of the farm? David Miller? Nope. Um... The Archduke Franz Ferdinand? No, I'll, get, I'll give you some names. Megatron? No, close up. Um, Mickey Green, never heard of him. Nope. Emma Noble, the model. Mm, she blonde. Yeah. No. Um, Dave Morgan, who is Jesse Wallace's former lover. <laughs> um, Emma B, 
who I think was a Radio 1 DJ at one point. Maybe. Charlene Titton? <laughs> no. Nope. Now, this is the... If, here's, here's the big names. Lionel Blair. Really? Lionel Blair. Did he dance his way through? He, who knows? Um, Chicolina, who was apparently a porn star. She's the Italian porn star. And possibly. Ron Jeremy... Oh, double porn. Double porn. And now and I can't believe this. Flavor Flav. Really? Yep. He was the third Big person to be evicted. Flavor Flav was the third to be evicted. <sighs> Chicolina was first. Flavor Flav third. Big tax bill, presumably. I would oh. imagine so, yeah. Yeah. None of those big clocks won't buy themselves. Uh, exactly. Um, what have we got next on the questions? Um, what was the name of Keith Harris and Orville's adult-themed show? I saw this. It was very good. Um, uh, I fucked that duck. No, duck off. No, that's close. It was very good. Uh, the support acts were not. Um, where was Orville's song recorded? Abbey Road. It was Abbey Road. Well done. <laughs> yes. The quote from Heath Keith Harris of "It's good enough for the Beatles. It's good enough for Orville." Yeah. Paid no. with his own money. No. That was that was that, definitely. That's why he needed to do the farm. He went round and pitched it round a load of record labels, including EMI, and EMI turned him down. So he went on BBC Records, and there's a story where he said he saw the EMI executive when they were playing Top of the Pops, and there was a whole needless to say I had the last laugh story. <laughs> Uh, who wrote Orville's song? Um, was it Carol King? No, Bobby Crush. Close. People don't have names like Bobby Crush anymore. It's a shame. I, I would suggest that he was not the product of Mr. and Mrs. Crush. <laughs> true or false, Keith Harris has done a rap song. Oh, true. True, yeah. He did it for the uh, mobile phone firm Gifgaff. <sighs> Are Gifgaff still a going concern? Yep. Keith Harris isn't. And neither's Orville by extension. Is he not being passed on like Sooty? No, sadly not. Not at all like Rod Hull as we established in a previous episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, uh, he's got a his 17 year, a 17 year old daughter is uh, now in, in, the, in the entertainment business. I found out from his fourth marriage. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, we should, should investigate. Is she eventual ventriloquist? She's she? performing in Blackpool. Which uh, mm. might give you an indication how well our career is going. Sounds like a euphemism. Yeah. Um, that's it for our Christmas special, anyway. Oh, Merry Christmas. Deeply, deeply unsatisfying as all Christmas should be. Yep. Um, why not celebrate uh, the Christmas spirit in the manner of Charles Dickens by uh, finding a small, alliterative, disabled child and. Giving him a giant bird. Yeah, well, yes, I think that's that's what you all him to. I'm going to just play this as. Orville, what are you doing, staring out of the window? I'm waiting for my friends. Your friends. Oh, this is special. See you all in the new year. Oh, you mean the snowman? Here's here's yes, Orville the duck singing. Quite a bit. But that's only if it's snowing. Deeply upsetting. Isn't it? oh. It's deeply, deeply upsetting, just Here like your Christmas. Imagine, just imagine your Keith Harris's wife 
keep Paris advancing towards you with his hand up Orville's arse, asking for a white Christmas. Just him practicing it. And let's face it, he almost certainly had sexual relations with Orville's still attached. Oh, uh, undoubtedly. Yeah. In fact, like double hander with, with, with cuddles on one and Orville on the other. Oh, which one do you prefer, love? Yeah. Do you want Orville or do you want cuddles? Oh, dear. But yeah, that's uh, Orville's version of White Christmas. Don't have nightmares. Yeah. We'll see, old, the, we'll see you in the new year with some uh, more episodes. Yeah. They're all white Christmases by Tanky Harris. It's good night from me and good night from James. Good night. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.